Hey everyone, welcome to the Influencer Economy. This is Ryan Williams. Excited for episode number three with Taryn Southern. The Influencer Economy is a podcast in which I speak with makers, builders, and creators, people who have built revolutionary companies online. I'd like to give a quick update on South by Southwest and my time down in Austin, Texas. I had an inspiring few days. Met with a great, just creative group of entrepreneurs who were making and building stuff on the internet. They also, uh, a major theme that I saw down there was people building stuff and being creative in film, music, and entrepreneurs that are trying to raise venture capital, like bypassing traditional gatekeepers. So they're no longer needing studios or publishers or even big investors to launch their ideas and companies. So it's really fascinating to see that the, and actually what happened down at South by the conversation I was having with these makers and creators transfers really right into this episode because Taryn Southern is an actress who's an entrepreneur. She's taken some risk in building her own YouTube channel and put some money into it on her own and she ended up getting 400,000 subscribers, which is no small feat. And she's also has a sparkling resume for acting. She's been on The League, which is a show that is hilarious about fantasy football. In addition to, uh, she's gonna be upcoming on the Today Show, where she'll be doing some segments in the morning. And she's also been on New Girl. So she runs the gamut as far as TV entertainment, as well as online. She's a pioneer in the space where she just was working in digital as an actress in LA, like very, very early, like six, seven, eight years ago. If you're into media, if you're into acting, and if you're really into where the entertainment entrepreneurship intersection is, then this is a great listen. Without further ado, Taryn Southern. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. Here we are with Taryn Southern. How you doing? Hi, I'm good. How are you? Super psyched. We're here in beautiful West Hollywood. Yes. Well, and sort of not beautiful outside of the constraints of my place, but... But this is a, <laughs> this is, this is a uh, colorful neighborhood. Yeah, it's colorful to say the least. It's very colorful. So we are actually uh, recording this in Taryn's office, mm-hmm. which is also many things. It's your home. It's my set. It's, it's my your home. Set. It's actually, it's my cat's house and I just live in it. So she's Jeez. subletting from her cat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so I wanted to have her on the show to talk about her career and life on YouTube, off of YouTube. I'd love for you to just introduce yourself to the audience. Sure. Um, my name is Taryn Southern. <laughs> I've been in LA now for about eight years, nine years maybe, eight years, something like that. It's crazy. And I originally came from Wichita, Kansas, but um, moved to California after college and realized about two years in that, that it was very difficult um, getting work in film and television. And so I started pursuing um, pursuing acting, hosting, writing, and producing opportunities by way of the web. And so from then till now, I've pretty much worked with almost every digital com- company that has started and or failed in Los Angeles. Um, and now I focus most of my energy on YouTube. How long did it take for you to be in LA and Hollywood to switch to online? Well, it was, I mean, honestly, the second I stepped foot here, I started working in some capacity with online companies. When did you realize YouTube was big? Um, well, YouTube, so YouTube, uh, what, what, it, when did they launch? 2005? Yeah. And that's when I moved out here. I had put up like one or two, no, I hadn't posted anything on YouTube, but I had some friends that were posting videos on YouTube and I stumbled across a few of them in the fall of 2006 when I got back from shooting my show. And I think we put our trailer for our show up on YouTube, but it, you know, it didn't really Right. We, wasn't, we weren't looking at that as a marketing tool. And then um, 
And then several months into 2006 is when the story of Lonely Girl 15 came out. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, shit, this is, that's cool. Like, right. she had millions of views on this video, and it was an actress. And totally. she was playing a real, she's brilliant. She was playing a real person. This yeah. is amazing. And then she was spotted at local coffee shops. And... Yep. And so I was like, wow, that's incredible. And so I started um, developing an idea for a show, a scripted show, around a group of female web stars. And I was like, she has to be a part of it. Mm -hmm. um, and so I reached out to, we were at the same management company at the same at the time, and I reached out to her manager, and I was like, I want to meet Jessica. And, um, and then the other girl that I knew that was making YouTube videos at the time, and was pretty much doing it full-time, was this girl, Stevie Ryan. And she did characters and um, funny sketches and all sorts of weird things. And it was always very creative and interesting. This was before you could even make money on YouTube. Right. And so I approached her, and I was like, hey, let, like, I'd love for you to do this with me. And surprisingly they, they both said yes but while I was in the process of bringing them on I was like well how do I get to be a part of this I'm the one that's like I've been working in digital media I did this MySpace show but I'm not a YouTuber do I have to be and I, so I, I was sort of excluding myself from that as the show but then I realized I should do something on YouTube and so um, while I was putting together the pitch in July of 2007 Obama Girl video, the Obama Girl video came out right. and I was like I got it I'm that's gonna make it. a satire of that video I'm gonna make a lesbian love song for Hillary Clinton and so I put it out, I put it out within, through, I don't know, a week. It was within six or seven days uh -huh. of Obama Girl coming out. And, um, and to this day, like, I don't think I'll ever have a video that will ever go that viral. And it was almost like, it was like one of those weird things where I just like, I, I knew it was going to happen because there wasn't that much content on YouTube at the time. And Obama Girl had become it such this, up. it was such a phenomenon. Yeah. I mean, she was on every talk show, every oh, yeah. news show. You couldn't not see her. And so to do something that sort of represented the other side in a in a way that's even probably more controversial. And who is the character? Hmm? The, who is the lesbian that loves Hillary? Well, I I mean I just I sang a song. They would call me Hillary Girl, but it was I was Hot for Hill. <laughs> hot for Hill was my slogan. That was awesome. the name the name of the title was yeah. Hot for Hill. And so, you know, like for that hot time. For Hill, I meant... Yeah, and it was the worst title to search for cuz I spelled it H O T T number 4. Hill, one word. That's so interesting. So people couldn't spell, and I wasn't yeah. putting in SEO, so people couldn't right. find the video. So the other videos that were posted of it have way more views. Oh, people but, pirating it and <laughs> yeah, uploading it? Because I was an idiot. But either way, Hot I mean, for Hill. it still managed to get, like, I think, like a million views in, you know, two weeks. Well, Obama um, Girl, I think, got acquired by Next Two Networks. Yes. Well, it was been, it was Ben Rellis's idea for him. It was him and another guy that came up with the idea to begin with, and they hired... Um, Oh, Amber Lee Edinger, she was an actress on Craigslist. They didn't, she didn't sing, mm -hmm. and they put it all together. Oh, wow. Yeah. So how many views do you think aggregate you have across all the videos for Hot oh, for Hillary? You know, I have no, I haven't even looked. I wouldn't even be able to tell you. Um, and is that but, on your own YouTube channel still? Or mm -hmm, it's on my old YouTube channel that's still, it's sort of collecting dust, What's but it's there. Called? It's called Hot for Hill. So there's, <laughs> there's a few other videos on that. Yeah. I, now, I now use it as my secondary channel where I post like behind the scenes videos or anything sort of entertainment related from a red carpet. Uh -huh. Stuff that I wouldn't put on my main channel that doesn't qualify as comedy or a super well-produced video. Uh-huh. It all goes on top. Okay. So that way, because I have like 50, 60,000 subs on that, I didn't want to just get rid of it. It still has some um, use and value. Yeah. But that was my first time doing something on YouTube. And, and then once you hit that and you realize you're on all these blogs and... It was just cool. It was, I was cool. Like, wow, this and you had is no awesome. idea. You thought it would be viral, but yeah. it took off. But at that time, you still couldn't make money on YouTube. Right. I had no idea how you translate that audience. It was still a viral video. I think they were just starting to announce like the AdSense program for right, people. And it was right. like, oh, great, I get five bucks, you know? Uh -huh. I think they had just announced it. And I didn't even set it up correctly, so it wasn't even on. Oh, and you were monetizing? No. So 
it seems like your career is interesting because a lot of people think, oh, I'll go to L.A. and I'll blow it up and get in TV and movie, where mm-hmm. you embrace digital, mm-hmm. which actually is massively important right now. But yeah. when you first did it, it was more risky. Yeah. Right? Because people didn't know where it would go. There was, a, yeah. like you're saying, YouTube, you couldn't make money from it. Yeah. And there were random viral videos like guy poops in hot tub. Yeah. Right? Where right. You know, they get passed around to tons of people. So great. Such a great Su- one. Such a great, it's such a classic, right? My wife's like, wait, you get paid to do this? Yeah. This is your job? But that's how, like, these funny viral videos would come around. Yep. That would be, and I remember brands would come up to us at Digicent and say, make this viral. And you're like, well, you can't really do that. Yeah. And so you, you know, you had dramatic chipmunk. And all these one-off, even like Charlie bit my finger a few years later, yep. were like they were one-off, I guess, hits for lack of a better word. But to continue a brand around digital wasn't really people didn't understand that yet. Yeah. But now you go to YouTube events like VidCon, and people have built companies, brands, and channels, and you work for Awesomeness. You're part of their network. Yes. So can you explain how you landed that opportunity and um, what you do for them? Yeah, well, so I finally, 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 a year and a half ago, it was exactly a year and a half ago, I was at VidCon, so this is VidCon 2000 and, or wait, 2014. Oh my gosh, I don't even know my years anymore. So it's 2012, 12. sorry. What's, oh my God, it's 2014. January 14th, it's early. Oh, so 2012, <laughs> I went to VidCon and I saw, I saw the masses of people and the kids. How crazy and How insane it was, and it hadn't really hit home, and I had really spent the last, the two years, four the two years prior to that, trying to get another TV project off the ground, trying to get another film project like finished and and going and had just really, I'd been working in digital a little bit, but I just wasn't super excited about anything. Mm -hmm. And I think also because even in the digital world, I was like pitching more companies that were going under, that were losing financing, that didn't have a distribution strategy. And I'm like, what's the point of making something if no one's going to see it? Or if they can't get the views or if I don't own it. And so I went to VidCon and I was like, Holy crap! Here's a bunch of people that have like independent control totally. over everything that they're doing, and they have these huge audiences. This is amazing. Yeah. I'm an idiot right. if I don't try to get into this. But I was like, how am I gonna do it? What kind of videos am I gonna make? I don't know, you know, because I'd always been used to pitching projects, not like me uh-huh. just doing my own channel. I had no idea what that would look like. I figured there's a good eighty percent chance I'll fail miserably, and I won't be able to get any people to watch. It was already announced that YouTube was going to be funding all these premium channels. Right. And I'm like, how can I compete with that? I'm uh-huh. gonna, This was July. They were all launching starting in September. And uh, early the, the announced ones were starting in September. Most of them launched like in November, December. But um, I just thought this is like, I don't even know what I'm going to do. And I'm going to have to spend money to make money, which is like the hardest thing yeah, it's, that it's, an entrepreneur it's, it's has startup. to do. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like it's everyone like, else knows that concept, but in Hollywood, it's all about you know how can you get other people to give you money to make you work for stuff that may never even happen. Yeah, it's the most backwards yeah. you know pilots, right? It's like how much money do the networks waste on pilots and no one sees it and it doesn't go anywhere. So you're at this um, point you're gonna invest your own money. Yep. So I decided I'm gonna invest my own money, and um, by September first, this was like I went to VidCon in June or July. By September first, I launched the channel. Yeah. Put out like two videos in August just to you know test the waters, make sure I knew how, how to even work the upload system and the annotations. And then, <laughs> it was all by yourself? You filmed yeah, it, it was you all, edited it? Well, no, I, so I, I, I spoke to some different friends that were in the YouTube world. I said, I'm going to need help if I'm going to do this right. Like, I'm going to back, I'm gonna have to back shoot some videos. Um, and I decided to launch my al- a musical comedy album as part of, like, the channel launch and do a bunch of music videos back to back. I hired this guy, Brad, who actually just left. He still works with still me. Work with him. I work with him on 90% of things. I love him. He's great. 
Um, he's a one-man show. He's amazing. Um, and so I, I basically hired him and I said, I want to I want to work with you and like launch my channel with you. And you're kind of my right-hand dude. So he came on board and we shot a bunch of music videos. I worked with some other people too to get it all going. And then I had like some very key friends in the YouTube space that really helped me, you know, that were really supportive and encouraging um, from the very beginning. When I would put up a video in 2008, I'd have like, I remember like one video I did for fun in 2008 and I posted it and someone, all of a sudden someone was like, oh, I just saw your video yesterday. And another person, another person, I'm like, how is it getting seen? And I saw a surge of views uh -huh. and I looked in the comments and it was like, yay, Ryan Higa sent me here, Ryan uh, Higa. Yeah. And I'm like... I don't even really know where I met him like briefly and he, you know, promoted the video. And that's just like what people did back then. Yeah, well, smaller. But now it's just, I doubt Ryan Higa would even see one of my videos because there's right. so much content and we all, there's so many of us and we're what pushing What was your first out. video that you launched on that channel or your, your new channel? My first video, well, it was kind of like a announcement of the album and the eight music videos that would be coming out. The first music video that came out was... And they were your music videos. Hmm? They were, yeah, so original Beyonce music. stole your move. What? Beyonce released her album. Oh, she totally stole, she totally my stole move. your move. She totally Because she released stole my all the videos in one day and then... Yeah, I didn't do them in one day. I did them over iTunes. eight weeks. Okay. But yeah, but I kind of like... It. I announced the album. Well, it's interesting because like music industry executives are getting that now. That you actually need to make a video for every, every song, song. And do something to announce it like either strategically all in one day or over yeah. time. And it, content has to be regular. It just can't be random. Yep. It's crazy. It's crazy. So, so that's what I did. So I, what was your album? It's called On My Face, which was like, <laughs> which is what the, I let the, I let the viewers choose the title. You crowdsourced. I crowdsourced the title, which is, that's what happens when you do that. But it kind of worked out because every, end, like every end of every single, <laughs> I know, the end of every single one of my videos is click right here on my face to subscribe. Oh, so there was, it was a, there was a play album and released that on iTunes and um, I don't remember what my first video was out of the gate, but I mean, they all came out by eight, eight weeks in. And then it was like, okay, what kinds of videos do I need to, do I do now? Because <laughs> I know the music, I know how to do musical comedy. That's yeah, one thing. Yeah. Like, I don't know, I can't promise it'll be funny, but I know how to make that video. And I didn't know what me talking to a camera would be like. And so that then, was terrifying. And then you figured it out. I had to start just by doing it. I had to start. It's not affordable to do musical comedy videos every week. Right. So I just started doing it, and sometimes I hated it. And I would also do sketches, but like. How much content were you making a week? One video a week to okay. post, but. Keeping in mind that at this point I'd launched my channel, so I was collabing as much as possible. So right. I was being in tons of other people's videos. Whenever someone asked me to do something, I would say yes. Which is something that I think in the YouTube world is interesting because you can drive audience. Yep. So you can draft off someone else with a bigger following. Yep. So who were some of the early people that you collaborated with? Um, Chester C, for sure. I mean, we dated, so that's okay. like a little bit of a... Uh, that was easy because it was like great now we can do, make videos together. together yeah exactly so some of my first collaborations after I had launched the channel were with Chester um, and he had a you know a sizable audience at that time and then like I'm trying to think of whose videos I was in Wong Fu Productions I did one of their videos I did a video of Shane Dawson's that he asked me to be a part of I did a Black Box TV video I and you did... were doing sketch music Whatever they asked me Blogging. to do for what, their what channel. What did you enjoy the most? Like if you look back at your early. Oh, uh, oh, days. for my channel. Yeah. Um, I enjoy doing the music videos the most. They're the most fun and creative. Yeah. The vlogs are like. They sort of you have to do them because yeah. they're inexpensive. So right. you can't make every video cost you know expensive. Otherwise, you lose money every month. So, 
The vlogs are fine. It, sometimes I love the vlogs. It just depends on what they are. Like, I have one that I really enjoyed doing that was, like, 15 signs you're an adult. And I had a lot of fun making that one, I remember. But but um, I like the music ones. Was there a moment where you felt like you made something that was watched by, like, you know, a million people, half a million people, that you're like, okay, I've made it now where I can succeed? Or you got a certain subscriber count? I still don't feel that way. You're still, like, <laughs> hungry and hustling. I mean, this is the entrepreneur yeah. streak, right? Cause yeah, you're, you're never is. satisfied, and you have high expectations. Well, and, and you're, looking at a, you're looking at an ecosystem where the, the top guy, I mean, now what, PewDiePie is over 20 million subs, and it's ridiculous. insane. Yeah. But, like, the, you know, the top 1%, it's pretty scattered, but you to be considered as, as like I think one of the one of the, the big the big guys you wanna have million or two million, three million. Yeah. Uh, I mean I don't know, like that's what you want to attain for. Right. The, <laughs> like, the... I'm not saying it's possible, but there's obviously some tremendous creators in the in thousands and the hundreds of thousands of subs that, that make a really good living and have a niche audience. It's tougher for me because it's comedy. So I don't have I'm not, not selling I'm not a beauty vlogger. Right. That can like yeah. To date so them. I get it, yeah. Okay. I'd, I'd be you have so me into to date them. Dying, like, you'd be dying them, to something. I guess. Dying something. Yeah. Dying something for them. Kiss them. I don't know. They're so, really cute. Oops. So then, how does that compare? Is it even related to the work you do, like at your home studio, where you have your what's the guy's name that just left? Brad. Brad. What were you guys just working on? Uh, we were working on a series I do for MovieTickets.com. Okay. So it's called Movie Therapy, where I prescribe people movie choices based on their current states of mind. Um, it's a fun series, and Movie Tickets sponsors it. It goes up every single week on their website. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, I make videos for a lot of different content distributors, and it just depends on how long the deal is for. And, you know, but, like, last year I did stuff for Glamour Magazine, and I um, that was a lot of fun. Um, and I, I don't know, like, I, I, I'm usually shooting from home just because at this point now I've developed, I guess, this personality where even distributors want my videos to look like my YouTube videos. Right. They're like, we want it to look exactly like your like other videos. First, and I'm like, I want to do something different. Yeah, yeah. It's like... But they want that. And that's gr- that's actually great. But it's personality, I mean, authentic, yeah. based content. And, and so it does. Like my, you know, resonates. me on the movie ticket show, it's not Taryn the host. It's it's Taryn. Right. Like... You. Yeah, it's still like my heightened version of me, of course. But it's like my, the crazy version of me. But it's it's me and, and they use my name. and So you definitely like punch it up and... The crazy version of you. How does that? Oh yeah. Compare it to the normal version of you. Oh, I guess it's all probably over the top. fairly real, but it's like, yeah, it's it's over the top. Like, you know, I have I have my I have a shtick now, and so I stick to that shtick. It's like a lot of like single girl woe is me kind of like um, I'm insane. I'll stalk you if you ever date me. <laughs> like the, the, you know these sorts of like things that like stem from nuggets of reality, but. Um, but they end up sort of finding their way into a lot of different things that I do. But am I like that on the live streams and the hosts? No, no, probably not. No, that's more, I feel like they're still hiring like the host there. But but more and more, you know, I worked on the post show for X Factor a year and a half ago. And then I worked um, for Discovery Channel on Discovery After Dark last year, which is like their um, late night talk show. And they they hired like Taryn, the YouTuber. Right. They were like, we want that girl. So it's we you. We don't want... We don't want the girl that's in your hosting reel. Yeah. Because they're two very different things. I, I literally have a YouTube hosting reel and a network hosting reel. Yeah. And you'll see the difference between like teleprompter, you know, Taryn and YouTube. So Taryn. the YouTube person is more 
just you personality it's way more fun and less like polished more, yeah way less polished yeah <laughs> probably have well, like the beauty of youtube it looks yeah <laughs> like you shoot in like machinima looked like we we're shooting in someone's basement right and we were really shooting in a crap we were at the hollywood production studio yeah on the street it was yeah. terrible space yeah but it had that authentic feel to it it's yeah. like wayne's world yeah where like you know local access television it's re- it's relatable it makes you more accessible to people yeah. exactly and then ha- so when you're making videos in your home how do you stay motivated to actually keep doing it is it the money enjoyment is it what's next like what you think it can become um, it's not the money because the money is not even there yet. The money come for me comes from other places. You know, yeah. it's like from the opportunities that stem from having that audience. So it's like it's more for me. Like I want to build this thing, and I don't, I don't want to give up on it. Um, and if I'm not consistent enough, then I can lose it very quickly. Um, but there's also a happy medium, and this is what I learned in December, this past December. Um, I hit 300,000 subscribers, and I just I realized that I was putting up stuff that I wasn't happy with, and that I was actually starting to like see a fair number of subs like unsubbing from new content. Um, and even though- and so in the end, what's your passion that you think you're like liking the best at this point? I mean, ultimately, I really would love to grow the YouTube brand and the everything associated with that, like whether that's merchandise, my own blog, um, any other partnerships that I do. You I really want to grow that. I have merch, but I would say my merch really is mostly the music. Yeah. I don't really sell t-shirts. So you drive people to iTunes? To... Yeah. And it's not a lot, but you start seeing how it adds up over yeah. time. What about Spotify? or mm-hmm. you... Yeah, it's all part Does of the... Does that pay at all? Well, I just do it all through, you go through like TuneCore and they distribute uh, to all of those stop places. Shop. Yeah, Spotify's not much, but yeah. But in general, like that stuff always helps. And if I get, if I grow the brand to a point where I'm not having to take work with other distributors, I still will want to because I think those par- partnerships can be very meaningful. You know, me working with Glamour Magazine, for instance, that can be a very meaningful brand association. Yeah. But, you know, maybe me working with, I'm going to use a brand that I haven't worked with. Yeah, maybe same, me same. working with, um, you know, um, Crate and Barrel might not be the best brand association. Maybe I'm just doing that for the money. And so yeah. I want to be able to knock off all of that so that it's really just everything stems from my audience and that I've created. And I'm not there yet on YouTube. So I need to get it to that. And then once that happens, I just want to tell – I just really want to tell stories or create interactive projects that I'm really passionate about. Right. And that's ultimately all it is. It's like – Well, there's like Anthony Bourdain talks about he gets paid to be himself. Yeah. And so he goes around the world now. He has the new CNN show. Mm-hmm. Like, no Reservations was awesome. Yeah. But his new show on CNN, he just goes and hangs out in Africa and Sri Lanka. And he's, so sometimes cool. it's like serious. Sometimes it's really funny. But he really does get paid to be himself. Yep. And there is a point, I think, where if you're creative, you're passionate, that's the end game. Yeah. And uh, I think that's, that's, that's I think it. it's so much more realistic now that you have online platforms that you can, like yep. you self-actualize quicker. Like I used to work in Hollywood, and I wrote a screenplay that was terrible. And then, you know, I took a bunch of classes, and I thought about going back to school. And that was, like, eight years ago. Yeah. If I had YouTube back then, I would know quickly that it wasn't for me. Yeah. It's like you can figure out, like, all right, I can X that off my list. Yep. And you don't have to, like, struggle. I feel like some people in L.A. especially come here, and they're aimlessly wandering around. But if you go on the Internet and you pick something focused that you want to make content around, you'll figure it out yep. eventually. Absolutely, 100%. 100%. I mean, I'm at a point now where I don't even... TV and film isn't even 
I just don't care. Yeah. I, I'll always love entertainment. Yeah. Um, and I'm happy to go to the movie theater and be a fan, but I don't audition anymore for films because I would much rather to be taken out of taken out of what I'm doing for two to three months. It's not worth it. Right. It, it will kill my business. Uh huh. So it doesn't even make sense to think or focus on that. I still do some TV. I'm actually working on like I do a lot of guest stars now because that, that way I can go in and out for like a week and I focus on shows that are here in LA and. What kind of shows? Um, I mean, since I launched my channel, I've done a guest star on New Girl, two on The League, um, Guys with Kids. You play fantasy sports? I just did... What? You play fantasy football? No. So The League was... I still love The League. Yeah. I just worked on a show called Legit, which is also FX. I'm working on um, Guys with... uh, Last Man. That's awesome. Just like... And and those are all like guest stars. And the YouTube channel totally helps with that. It does help. I think I wouldn't totally know because at the end of the day, you don't know once it gets down to two or three people for a role, um, you don't really know why they've chosen you. So yeah, in some cases, like I know, I know for instance on the league that the director of the show um, had seen my YouTube videos and was a fan of them. Um, I don't know. I wonder sometimes, like when I'm auditioning, like how, if it gets down to the final three, if the network execs look at following. They have to. They might, they, and you, if they but, do, and if but that's Hollywood's me so apart. dumb and backwards <laughs> yeah. that they may not even care. Maybe not. I, I don't. I don't know. Well, the thing is, even if they do care, they're not asking anything of me in return. I mean, they're. I maybe. They're not. You know, try, they're not expecting you to drive a viewership. No, but I told like I work with you know I, the, uh, after I worked on Legit, which was a super fun experience. I loved working what, on that, that show. It's a half hour comedy on FX. They just had their first season, so um, the, the second season is launching soon. But it's really funny and um, and kind of edgy. And I'm surprised it didn't really get a lot of marketing power this year. So hopefully next year they will they'll put a lot more behind it but um, I told the producers like if you guys want me to make a video like to help like I'm happy to do and that they were, and they were like yes please that would be cool. awesome so additive yeah and I, I'm happy to do it um, you know this week I'm going to work with Jonathan Taylor Thomas and play his girlfriend you better believe I'm going to like totally be like you want to do a YouTube video <laughs> yeah I don't know. It would just be fun. And I think the more that these networks see that, it might actually increase opportunities for me for TV. But that's not the end goal anymore. It's like you said, I just want to be my... I want to be paid to be myself. And yeah. I, and whatever that means, and I want, I want to be able to like shift my audience to things that are important to me. And whether that's I'm a, I'm a mom and like, I want to like talk about baby things or you know I'm, I'm traveling the world or I don't know. You just want to take people in and show them everything through your experience. That's like... The ideal, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not to say it'll ever get to that, but it's definitely that like a, awesome. you know a long term thing that you can work towards. That I feel like you couldn't have done six years ago. It just did, you only had a finite nope. number of people that made it. Nope. And even Anthony Bourdain, man. I mean, like, God, he's so good, and and but, he's at, he's at the right he's on the right network. But he would have a maybe a tricky time like moving over to the web. Um, I don't know. Well, he was because a, he doesn't own his audience. He you doesn't. Know? Like, and he's he wrote a book, yep. know, Kitchen Confidential, which propelled him. But he was a chef for 25 years. Yeah. So he paid his dues before. So I think he's in his 50s now. Yeah. No, so, he's an older guy. So he's like, like cap- captured it later in his life. Yeah. Which is awesome. And yeah. More power him. to him. But yeah, some of these people, they have these massive careers, but they're still totally dependent on a CNN or yeah, a, a bigger whatever to, to say yes and up their series. Totally. You know? um, they need they, a mass media to promote what they do. Yep. And I, I have studied a bunch of links and bitlies and Twitter. Mm-hmm. And I found out that people that are broad celebrities that have massive followings have the worst clicks really? and the worst conversion. But people with like 150,000 followers targeted in the YouTube 
ecosystem or in gaming or haulers yep. have like 15 to 20 percent wow and it's super targeted and more segmented yeah. and the more specific you go the more targeted the following is and the mm. more clicks you get so you may not get a million people clicking on it but you get a hundred thousand people clicks. that actually care about the content meaningful and i think that's what advertisers still don't get yeah and they want some random like CES, you know, like, oh, we'll get some broad celebrity to endorse our new phone. Yep. It's like get a lot of miniature celebrities or people that are fam- like, what do you call what you do? Like, are you Mike? Like, I've heard the term micro famous before. <laughs> and I think that there's like, there's a fandom at VidCon, which is crazy. Yeah. That is so under the surface. Yeah. We have 10,000 people that are just like, you walk into a room now with like Brad Pitt and we would go crazy. But you walk into a room, a bunch of YouTubers, we'd just like, who's that random dude? Like, yeah. he's trying to get my table. Yeah. But at VidCon, these people are electric celebrities. Yeah. And they do meetups, and they can actually go into, like, a fifth grade classroom. Like, how would you describe your community of people and, like, where you lie in their world? I don't That's know. a good question. I mean... I don't mean to, like, overwhelm no. you, but I think that's... A, for me, it's really fascinating to think that you're on someone's laptop and their iPhone but you're not on their television, yeah. and they don't care. Yeah, well, like, when I was at VidCon this year, usually everyone's, like, they'll, if you if you go to a meetup, they'll all be, like, screaming and stuff, but if you're just walking around, normally people will be like, hey, Taryn, what's going on? I, yeah. Let's get a photo. Like, they they think you're their friend right. more, I think. Um, and I found that when I'm, if I'm ever approached, like, in airports or, like, whenever I'm not in L.A., people are always that, fans are always like that. They're always like, hey, Taryn, oh my gosh, I loved your last video. It was awesome. I, I've been watching you for a year. And yeah. you're like, how's Tiggy? You know, like they, they, they know, know about you. your life. And they have a comfort level with it. Um, but I don't know. I'm also not one of the bigger YouTubers, so it's tough for me to say. Like, when I go to VidCon and I see, you know, if you see Jenna Marbles walk through a crowd, it's like a totally different yeah. thing. But even then, I feel like you see that and they're still like, Jenna, what's up? And it's like super casual. <laughs> yeah, you just get it everybody into a, a massive crowd and you, I think you'll always get a little bit of mob mentality uh-huh. <laughs> but okay that's cool and I we should wrap this up I know you have yeah. to go oh, no, but what kind of advice do you give to people that are you um, like the younger version of yourself hmm. my advice that like want to go into content creation they want to make content online through YouTube because you, you took a path where you were working with you know, branded content, your own content, mm-hmm. red carpets, yeah, a lot of different stuff. Like, what yeah. people that want to just do the online part, whether it's with brands or themselves. Well, I think I think the way to look at it is people that want to be independent because it doesn't necessarily have to be online, and it certainly doesn't even have to be YouTube per se. Like, I I was I happened to put videos on YouTube and get into the online content creation world way before it was the popular thing to do. Yeah, and way before it even had there was even money attached to it um i didn't actually go full throttle until after it had blown up and the only reason that i think that i've been able to break through the the noise is because of my relationships um and my friends that have been supported supporting me and helping me through the process not to say that it's not possible it's just so much more difficult and Uh who knows if i would have broken through the noise any other way um, especially when I do still work on other things. Like, it's not really my full-time job. And so I think my biggest piece of advice for someone is if you want to be a content creator, if you want to be independent, like, really think outside the box and look at, look at places where there's opportunity and maybe 
where you can stand out and where you can do your thing and it'll be different. And, and maybe that is YouTube. It very well could be. And I don't see any reason why you can't utilize YouTube no matter what. But like be looking at these other platforms and, and interesting new ways to engage with people on them, whether it's, whether it's Snapchat or Vine or um, Instagram video or Facebook video. I yeah. mean, you know, like look at the other platforms that are being underutilized and think about building an audience there and honing your craft there. You can always move an audience around. It's not easy, but it's way easier to do that than like try to become the big fish in a massive pond. Right. And four years ago, YouTube was a small pond and now it's like, it's pretty big. Yeah. So that would be my biggest okay. piece of advice. Um, and just work really hard. And work hard. And then one final question is, yeah. so where do people get barbecue in Kansas City? Ooh, good question. And what do you do in Kansas if you're visiting? Good question. I, I'm there. from Wichita, so Wichita. I don't know any barbecue places in Kansas City. I've been, I just wouldn't be able to tell you the name. And even um, in Wichita, we would always go to this place called Hogwild, okay. which I thought was fantastic growing up. I don't know if my sophisticated palate would necessarily agree anymore. Maybe it would. No, maybe it would be yeah. the best barbecue ever. I just don't remember. It's been so long. Hogwild's a great name. Hogwild Pit Barbecue. Um, outside of that, what do you do in Kansas? You do things that like normal kids do, like run around and play and ride bikes in your neighborhood. Things that I cannot do out here uh, on Vine in Hollywood no, Boulevard. No, not this colorful neighborhood. No. The what? College World Series. Isn't, oh. isn't that? Is that I in Wichita? No, I'm so not I a sports fan. I could be off. Okay. Awesome. All right, cool. Thank you so much. No, thank you. This I feel awesome. like I ranted way too hey, much about things. This is the beauty of it. This is what good. you do for a living. We, we've captured that on the podcast. Well, thank you. So thanks for joining thanks us. Thanks so much for having me. And we're in, in your home studio. So thank you for joining me here. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us on the show. We had a great third episode with Terrence. We are heading over to Duke Secrets right now to get the chicken in the pot. So uh, look forward to the next episode next week. We have great South by guests lined up. The guys from VHX are going to be here. Some guys from Inside Gaming at Machinima are also going to be on the show in addition to Fula, our DJ who made the lyrics. So we can't wait for episodes four, five, six, seven, and beyond. So uh, again, InfluencerEconomy.com. Please find me there. And don't forget about Taryn Southern's YouTube channel and give her some more subscribers. Take care. Thanks again.